Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Raptors Over Everything, a podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Liu. This time, I actually have the recording button on, so uh, the podcast will actually be digitalized and distributed. And joining me for uh, take two is Vivek. Uh, how are you feeling after yesterday? Uh, better than yesterday. Uh, I, I think I will be able to make it through this podcast cough-free, although I probably jinxed it right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll say that, please. <laughs> um, a lot of editing, eh? Yeah, I'm like, listen, some people can perform when they are under the weather, and some people are Joel Embiid. So uh, congrats to you for trooping uh, through yesterday's show where we discussed um, the ramifications and the legacy and the impact of Kawhi's shot. I mean, it is such a monumental moment um, to everybody, uh, except for Kawhi. If you ask Kawhi, Kawhi was, uh, we just came from practice, and, you know, uh, every time you have one of these crazy moments, like you, you get a lot of national media there, and... You know, their their focus isn't so much on the sports aspect, which is fine. Right? Yeah, like of course, you know, people, you know, it's just different service. But yeah, um, yeah you know, reporters are trying to get him to talk about how much it, it meant to him that you know fans from all over Canada were celebrating and stuff. And he was just like, I mean, I talked with my family, and you know, I'm, I'm ready to move on to the next series and stuff. Yeah. Classic Kawhi. Yeah. You know? So yeah. Um, we're not going to talk too much about that shot. If you want to hear, seriously, we spent like an hour just gushing about it. Because uh, that's what that shot deserved. But let's talk about the Buck series. And I'm not going to mince words. What the hell do the Raptors do against Giannis? <laughs> yeah, he is going to be a problem. Um, you know, I was looking back at film uh, of what the Celtics did, uh, at least in that game one where they were so effective and were able to steal that game on the Bucks' home floor. And. Essentially, they used Al Horford as his primary defender and had secondary help showing and then scrambled off of that. And, you know, to do that effectively, they took Aaron Baines out of the starting lineup. They put in Marcus Morris because they knew all four other guys had had to be able to get out to the perimeter really quick because we know that, um, you know, as as dominant as Giannis has become as a scorer, one of, the, one of his big leaps as well is as a playmaker and that's what's making Budenholzer's full five out, uh, offense work, uh, or four out, since Giannis is inside so much. And so I think the reason why it was so effective, frankly, was just because all the Bucks guys were missing their shots, shots that they made all season, mm-hmm. uh, shots that you expect them to make, you know, guys like Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Miritich. And so... <clears throat> I think, you know, the rest of the way, the next four games, what we saw was uh, one, my, one adjustment that we saw was Budenholzer take out Sterling Brown from the starting lineup, put in Nikola Mirotic, get a bit more shooting on the court, and then Giannis again made the right decisions, found the open man, and the guys were making their shots. 
and you know that's probably the most that's the biggest fear factor with Giannis right now is the fact is the fact that he's learning things so quickly I mean we we saw the first time he got a look uh, at a center guarding him during the regular season he figured it out by halftime you know he he was shut down for one half um and again again uh, against Al Horford and then he comes back in the second half and has a great game um and so that's the thing the the adjustments right now we are going to have to see things being done on the fly quarter to quarter mm-hmm. play play to play um and so this is going to be a real test for Nick Nurse uh to see how quickly he can respond to everything that the Bucks do yeah for sure you got to have multiple game plans. Um, so, I mean, as you mentioned, the first pri- the primary defender is going to be Pascal. Yeah. Uh, I know people have grand delusions of Kawhi guarding everybody. It's, I mean, unless it's a game seven setting where you're saying, all right, Kawhi go out there and guard Jimmy Butler. Like, realistically, it's not the best. And to be honest, you need Kawhi offensively more than you need him defensively for this specific team. Absolutely. And you can even argue that for Pascal as well. But out of the two of them, obviously, you need Kawhi more. Yeah. You got to give Kawhi some time to rest, um, and so I think Pascal makes sense. I think um, you know in the regular season, Pascal. I think he did okay. Like when you look over the film and stuff, it was f- decent. Um, I would say that you know, I mean, the goal isn't to keep Giannis to like twenty points. The goal is to like keep him to like thirty-five and under um, with like five assists. Like, that's how good yeah. he is. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And that's how, and, and I think the 35 number, the reason I threw that out there, obviously that's higher than a scoring average, but you kind of want Giannis to do more of the scoring than the rest of the guys, only because you can sort of, um, you can kind of live with twos more than you can live with threes. And I think where the Bucks really have the potential to just destroy you and wipe you off the floor is when they, A, get out in transition, and B, when they take a lot of threes. And the two of them are kind of connected, so... I think the number one thing is you gotta you gotta take Giannis out of transition, and that's not easy. Like he's no. the best transition player in the NBA right now. Yeah, um, Pascal being really fast really helps. Yeah. Um, but I think you know it starts with the whole team. Like I don't want to see the Raptors going for offensive rebounds. Period. I want to see everybody getting back in transition. Um, a lot of what made the Celtics effective in that first half uh, of Game One, where they actually won against the Bucks, was that they were building that wall. You can only build that wall when you have all your players back. Yeah, you can't be going for offensive rebounds. Um, and I think you know, in terms of just un- in the half court, like once you get Giannis in the half court, like you're you're kind of like through half the battle. Um, he's still going to come at you hard. He's still going to drive. He's going to use pick and rolls, and he's going to try to take every space. And I think the key there is actually you don't want to give Giannis that much room because for, you know it's it's really tricky because you get really close to him, he'll blow by you. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you get too far apart, then he will get ahead of steam, and you're kind of standing there planted, and he can move laterally. He's so good with that Euro step yeah. that you can't just stand in for charges. Um, and I think it's just going to be one of those things where Pascal has to just step in and, and take on the challenge. It's going to be an impossible challenge. He's had a lot of impossible challenges along the way. I mean, he literally he just come off a series against Joel Embiid. So, uh, you know, good luck, Pascal. But he's our best bet. And if – if Pascal can reasonably handle Giannis one on one, then I think I think the Raptors have a really good chance here. But if he can't, then that's where it really hurts you because you look at the rest of the Bucks team. Like the rest of the guys aren't that great at creating for themselves. 
but they can create just because of how good their spacing is and because of Giannis being such a singular force everybody's like a step too far from their man because they're worried about Giannis and that's all the Bucks need everybody looks really good when they have an extra step on the defender yeah. and that's that's the Bucks in yeah. a nutshell so if you can stop Giannis and contain him like I'm literally serious if, if Pascal holds Giannis to like 35 points a game on 50% shooting with like 5 assists and like 4 turnovers I'm thrilled I'm thrilled. You know what I mean? It's literally like Andre Godala versus LeBron James in the 2015 yeah. finals. Uh, I think the point you make about scoring versus his playmaking uh, is an important one. I, I almost look at it how you look at those Steve Nash Phoenix teams. Obviously, Steve Nash and Giannis are miles apart in what they are as players. But when you look at the identity of those teams, when Nash was you know having those 15-point nights... But, you know, getting 15 assists, 20 assists, whatever, it was over. You didn't have a chance, right? But when he was having 30, 35-point nights and not able to get the other, when other teams were just daring him to be a scorer, those are the games that you you could beat the Suns. And so I think the same way with Giannis, you know, if you take away his ball distribution, uh, how effective his teammates are, then I think you stand a chance to beat the Bucks. Yeah, for sure. Um and I, I think it's also going to be – the Raptors got to be really disciplined with their help defense too. I obviously expecting Giannis to, to be guarded one-on-one is uh, a little bit um, silly. But the Raptors are inevitably going to help. I just think that they have to be a little bit careful. Uh, I think one thing that I noticed from the the Boston series is how much the Celtics – well, first off, they were really late with a lot of their rotations and they ended up fouling on us a lot. Yeah. And they complained about it too. Like Kyrie was like, yo, this is not even the game when he gets to shoot 22 free throws or whatever. Honestly, he's such a force of nature, he's going to shoot 22 free throws. Like, the way you should look at Giannis is, like, he's like Shaq cross with LeBron yep. in terms of physicality. He's not The skill level is not the same as LeBron, but it's honestly getting close to there. And the physicality level is, is that high. Um, you're yep. going to have to inevitably send help. And I think one thing that stood out from Nick Nurse's presser today um, was him talking about how there's, you know, first off, Giannis is going to be running a lot of people over. That's something that he said verbatim. Yep. And then he also talked about how charges will be there to be taken and the Raptors need to take those charges and it's going to be a lot of punishment and and bruising contact. But, um, you know, the Raptors got to be really smart with that. The only thing I will say about that is it's one thing for... I don't want to see the Raptors' bigs step in for charges against Giannis because teams try to do that and Giannis is so uh, fluid naturally with his movements that he'll just euro step around guys. Like it doesn't make any difference. You, you're better off jumping at the rim and trying to meet him. You're probably going to get dunked on a lot. Like we're going to see like three or four Keyshawn pictures of just you know yeah. uh, Giannis dunking over Gasol and and Serge Ibaka. But like I want to see those bigs challenging above the rim. That's the only time you can actually provide help against Giannis effectively and it's not easy obviously because Giannis can probably put his whole elbow on the rim despite being seven foot tall yeah but that's the challenge and I think you know if Ibaka's out there if Gasol's out there especially if they play those two big lineups like I want to see the bigs when they do help help right at the basket and not try to take charges the only guy I want to see taking charges is is Kyle who like leads the playoffs with 10 charges yeah I mean those stretches uh, of the two bigs is going to be interesting you know do you do it when uh, there's Lopez and Miritich on the court? Because I think it's going to be difficult if if they go back to Brogdon in the starting lineup. Um, and, I, you know, because then Gasol, you, you can get him caught out 
in situations that he doesn't really want to be in. So I, th- I, th- I think, again, the rotations are going to be critical. Uh, and, you know, maybe, you know, you can say that Nurse met expectations in the 76ers series when you look at it, look at it on the whole. Uh, he did what he needed to do against the Magic. He's really going to have to exceed expectations for the Raptors yep. to win this series. Yep. Uh, the more I look at it, when you, when you look at, the advantages that the Bucks have in this series, the way uh, they protect the paint. I think that that's the other big factor for me. The way they protect the paint and dare guys to shoot. First of all, how willing are Kyle Lowry and Marcus All going to be to shoot? And then how consistent are they going to be with their shot? Because we saw, again, Embiid uh, essentially disrespect uh, Marcus All and leave him out wide open, see if he's willing to shoot it. Uh, and even even when he was making them, that that was the one thing we thought, right? That if Mark, Mark takes and makes a few of them, then Embiid's forced to defend it. But even even when he was making them, they said, "Hey, we will take this. We will live with this." And again, you know, those those are things where it's like Gasol and Kyle have this ideal of how basketball should be played and mm-hmm. uh, and making the right play and this and that. And they've just got to really understand that yeah. the right play. A lot of the times in this series, because of the way that Milwaukee drops the bigs, is gonna end with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, let, let's just talk about that now. Like attacking the defense. Like, you, I wouldn't say like they're like the magic in a way, but like you know, they're magic esque in terms mm-hmm. of how they defend and the kind of personnel they throw out there. You know, they're, they're but that's where the comparison ends because like the Bucks are just better defensively, right. personnel wise, at every single one of those positions. That you're like, DJ Augustine versus Eric Bledsoe, Jonathan Isaac versus Giannis. You know, Nick Vucevic versus Brooke Lopez. Like, yes, they are the same type, but it's it's a different level, right? Um, and you know, we've seen it. Like in the regular season, the Raptors knew that the Bucks were going to drop really deep, and it was. A concerted game plan for guys like Serge Ibaka. I mean, Serge Ibaka averaged twenty two point three points per game against the Bucks in uh, in this season. And normally, I wouldn't look too much into regular season matchups, but the fact that he averaged so many points and the fact that he took eighteen point five shots a game, yeah, is reflective of the fact that the Raptors understood where they were going to get their offense from. The Bucks like to concede that look, and you know, for the Bucks, it's a percentage play, right? Yeah, like they they they. Uh, are clearly one of those teams that have bought into the modern philosophy of mid-range shots are acceptable and you want to take away the rim. And to be honest, the, the Bucks defensively, um, they don't actually have that much defensive, um, like the, the sheer defensive personnel. I would say like arguably defensive talent-wise, the uh, the Sixers actually have better yeah. defensive talent. But, um, you know, for them, they're so strict about taking away everything on the baseline. No corner threes and nothing at the rim. And then defend and, and securing defensive rebounds. Like they want to just clean all that up. So it's impar- like, like you mentioned, man. It's it's on, it's on Ibaka. It's on Mark more than anything else to take those shots. And I, if I'm looking at the center position, I need the Raptors centers to combine for 30 points a game. Yeah, like and that's, and that's at a minimum. That's yeah, at a minimum. Like Absolutely. I need I need to see Gasol average 15. I need to see Ibaka average 15. Yeah, and it's it's asking a lot. Yeah. Um, but that's the only way you're going to get enough points because I, I don't see Kyle Lowry, for example, scoring a lot on the Bucks. Yeah, Kyle in this in, in this regular season had a scoreless scoreless game against the Bucks. Mm-hmm. The first scoreless game before DJ Augustine even came along. The first scoreless game was against the Bucks. We were there for the post game show. Yeah, uh, 
We should just stop doing post-game shows, you and I, together, because half the time, Kyle Lowry scores zero. But um, <laughs> but seriously, like Kyle had that scoreless game, and he had a bad back in that, at that time. But if you look at the whole season, Kyle is averaging six points a game on 23% shooting against the Bucks, and one of 20 from three. He's literally shooting 5% from three. So I don't expect a lot of scoring from Kyle. Oh, and, that, and, you know, it's going to be one of those things where Kawhi, uh, Serge, and Pascal and Mark need to do most of the scoring. And I'm not sure that's enough to get by a team like this, but this is right. what it is. Yeah, no, exactly. It is what it is. Um, with Ibaka and Gasol, I think you're absolutely right. Because when you look at that Brook Lopez matchup, that is the one area where the Raptors, if if Ibaka and Gasol takes, take, take the shots that they need to, they, that they can sort of win that battle that position battle and they don't they can't even just edge it they have to dominate that matchup mm-hmm. Marcus all has to absolutely absolutely shut down Brooke Lopez and yeah and he's got to get it done on the other end as well um you know we'll see how much Nick Nurse turns them in the post obviously he didn't look to do it much against Tobias Harris um but he just can't do it man I come serious. You just maybe, can't do it. Maybe, maybe. Um, but then, if it, when when he's up top and looking to be a playmaker, then he again he has to understand when they, when they, when it's his shot to take. And uh, as far as the rest of the offense go uh, goes, to your point, I, I won't be surprised if uh, Bledsoe, George Hill, Malcolm Brogdon, they look to just trap Kyle at every opportunity. Yep. Um, because at the end of the day, in, just on top of Ibaka and Gasol taking shots. It's uh, especially when it's Ibaka, they'll say, "Hey, who do you want making a decision with the basketball? Kyle Lowry or Serge Ibaka?" Mm-hmm. They'll take uh, they'll take Serge Ibaka every time, yeah. right? Um, and if Marc Gasol is being hesitant, they'll take Marc Gasol every time as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, really, you know, there's going to be some mind games in terms of daring people to shoot. What are you willing to shoot? And I, again, you made a you made a good point in terms of you know the Bucks. Obviously, they protect the paint at all costs, and they give up a lot of threes. But yeah. but they but they're very smart in terms of who they actually concede the threes to, and where they concede those they, threes from. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they don't you know uh, they don't give up a lot of corner threes, but they'll give them up above the break, which is where teams usually shoot uh, below par. Mm-hmm. So that's an area where the Raptors have struggled in these playoffs. Uh, so again, you know, are, are, are the the team that we're seeing three, uh, shoot the three right now is that is that should that be the expectation now, or do we still expect it to revert back to what we saw after the Gasol acquisition, uh, where they were the number one team making forty percent of their threes? Because Again, the length the length of Milwaukee is like the Sixers, is like Orlando, where, again, uh-huh. they can take away all those Danny Green shots. I mean, uh, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I would just say this, right? Like, if the centers aren't scoring, and to a larger degree, if the Raptors aren't hitting shots, like, they have no chance against Milwaukee. Right. No chance. Like, at least for the Raptors, they could defend Philadelphia in a way that they can limit them. They can't do that same thing against uh, Milwaukee. They have to score. Right. They're not going to win any games keeping Milwaukee to 90 points. Right. Like they did multiple times against um, Philadelphia. And, they, and you know, Nurse talked about it too. Like he was like, it's a very different opponent. Um, 
you know, he, he, Philadelphia and Orlando, they both are very structured teams in terms of what they're running. It's not a lot of pick and roll. It's not just spread the floor. People in certain spots, shooters are shooting. Guys are slashed to the rim. Like, it's not one of those freestyling offenses. The Milwaukee Bucks are that. They are exactly that. Um, they kind of run very similar plays every single time down the floor. And they just make sure everyone's in the right spots. Everyone's in the right mentality to shoot. And they're going to get a lot of offense that way. They're they're like the Houston Rockets, except they don't complain about foul calls as much. Yeah. And they actually have a guy in Giannis who performs under the clutch. Um, <clears throat> but... <laughs> No, seriously, I'm just so tick- I'm just so tired of watching the Rockets, and it's disgusting what that team became after uh, Yao Ming left them. But, um, you know, to, to the <laughs> to the point about the Raptors, my, my my Rockets dislike, my spreadsheet basketball dislike aside, um, yeah, I mean, like the, the guys need to the shoot, the guys need to score, and I think there are opportunities to get guys open looks because again, like because the Bucks are going to be somewhat predictable defensively, mm-hmm. um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that. They're just they are consistent defensively, right? Yeah. But you can sort of anticipate where the help is going to come from, and where it's not going to help from, and if they're going to sag off the Raptors centers and play back into the paint, there are opportunities where you can run a high pick and roll with Kyle Lowry, and provided that Gasol sets a good screen on Eric Bledsoe, and, and Bledsoe is not easy to to screen, uh, and also he's very long, so even if you screen him, he can still be in the play. He honestly is like one of the best point guard defenders in the nba right now if not the best he's so good and he's really developed this year but there will be opportunities there where it will be a two-on-one situation and kyle can either step into the Mm mid-range or you know fred as well but fred and kyle can either step into the mid-range or they can fire away from deep given how they've shot so far in the playoffs i'd be a little bit surprised if they shot from deep they just kyle hasn't really looked for those shots Uh, and fred i mean i don't even want yeah fred has has been it's been rough um but those shots are there, and even if they involve a guy like Danny Green coming off the screen, um, off the uh, you know off the ball, where Gasol setting that screen again. Anytime Gasol setting the screen, that should create a two on one situation. And uh, if I'm if I'm really looking at it, the one guy that I really need to step up there is obviously Kawhi, right? Like Kawhi is the Raptors' best off the pick and roll attacker. Yeah, and those opportunities are going to be there. He's really good in the mid range. I can see him get, stepping into a bunch of jumpers, kind of like. Um, how it was against Vucevic in Orlando. Now, granted, like I, I mentioned earlier, even though they play similar styles and they have similar rosters, it is the talent is night and day. It's, there's no real comparison there, all respect to the Bucks, but that's probably going to be the game plan. Like The way the Raptors oriented their entire offense around Kawhi coming out of the high screen with Mark, they got to do that same thing here against Milwaukee. Yeah, and I think uh, in, if there is a blueprint that the Raptors want to follow, it will probably be uh, that regular season win that they had on the road uh, in Milwaukee coming off that tough loss uh, to San Antonio. And again, you look at that game, high scoring, 123-116. Obviously, it's the playoffs. You you probably won't get up that high, but you got 30 from Kawhi. You got 30 from Siakam. You got 25 from Ibaka. You know, Kyle didn't play play that game. Fred gets you 20. Um, You're going to need people to perform above their expectations uh, to have the offense live up to uh, Milwaukee's sort of range. And the three-point shooting, I think that will stem from Kawhi's effectiveness in the Mm mid-range. Again, with him being so effective, if you can get Milwaukee to think twice about that, to sort of... Uh, collapse a bit more on him 
um, then you know maybe he maybe takes that extra extra dribble, sucks the defense in, yep, gets the ball out, and then now you got Danny Green, all those other guys waiting. They got to make their shots. Yep, yeah, for sure. Um, and look, I, I think the Bucks they've proven to be adaptable as well. Yeah. Like even though they want to play defense one way, like we saw against Kyrie and Al Horford, like they came up a little bit higher. They switched on occasion. Like, yep, it's a flexible team. This is a, again, like I. I think I should have said this out top, but we both agree the Raptors are underdogs in the series. Absolutely. Right? Um, and so, I mean, it's, it's not been easy. Um, in terms of guys, we can underdogs, underdogs, but not significant underdogs. You know what I mean? Don't tell Bucks fans that. They will scream at you that the Raptors are underdogs. At the end of the day, these are the two best teams in the conference. Yep, 100%. And, you know, again, I, I said this over the course of the regular season as well. Once their season series was done, a lot of people can look from afar and say hey 3-1 but if you really look at it Giannis and Kawhi didn't play that first game Mm -hmm. so you really can't count that game when when the two best players exactly so then you're looking at 2-1 with one of the games being decided where the Raptors were up 3 Kyle Lowry's wide open for a 3 and then Malcolm Brogdon Kyle Lowry went 0 for 5 for 0 points yeah and then Malcolm Brogdon hits two threes to basically win it, right? So yeah. those are the margins. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Th- so these two teams, you know, what, Raptors have a solid home win, uh, a solid road win in Milwaukee. Mm. The Bucks have a solid road win in Toronto. Mm. And then there was that one really, really tight game. So I, I, I do think the margins, you know, as much as we've made it sound that Milwaukee has all these advantages, um, the Raptors have Kawhi. Yeah, the Raptors have Kawhi. Um I think the Bucks are probably going to start off. They're going to feel it out. All these theories are about feeling it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but uh, I think they're going to look at the regular season, and they're going to be pretty confident in, um, you know, Middleton taking that matchup, which I think is I think is a trap for them to read too much into the numbers. Because if you look over the film, a lot of those numbers, I mean, like, again, no, no disrespect to Middleton, who uh, in 143 defensive possessions against Kawhi in the regular season, that's just three games. So that's – he was literally the most – like, he was on him every single time down. Like, the only other guy who even had more than 20 possessions against Kawhi was, like, uh, Brogdon. Yeah. And so, like, it was Middleton every single time. And in those 143 possessions, Kawhi had 35 points on 11 of 27 shooting. Like, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Right. But if you look at the film, it really was apparent that Kawhi got to a lot of his spots and he just he missed a couple of shots and, you know, whatever. Like, you credit Middleton for pushing Kawhi into the mid-range, but shit, we've seen Kawhi in the mid-range. is pretty damn good. <laughs> and so I don't think, like, you know, realistically, I don't think anybody in the NBA can guard Kawhi one-on-one in that situation. We've no. seen it all season. If you guard Kawhi one-on-one, you're going to get torched. So I think the Bucks will eventually relent and they'll send out extra attention. And at that point, it's back to the same same old story. Like, can the rest of the Raptors score? The one thing I'm a little bit uh, encouraged by uh, – oh, by the way, uh, actually, there is some talk about, you know, maybe Giannis will guard Kawhi. I don't see it happening. I don't think Bucks, see it, Bucks fans see it happening either. Uh, Giannis is a fantastic defender, but they like to keep him on a guy who's a non-shooting threat so he can be a help defender. Exactly. And also, Giannis is not great at going around screens because he's just a little bit too long and big. Um, and so I just don't think he's going to guard Kawhi too much. Maybe on a couple switches and stuff, he'll be fine. I think one-on-one, if we're without a screen, I think, yeah, he can guard Kawhi, but yeah. that's not going to be the main matchup there. It's going to be Middleton, and um, 
And it'll be similar to Pascal versus Giannis. Uh, like, if Middleton can handle Kawhi, you know, this shit is over. Mm-hmm. Right? Whereas if, you know, Pascal can handle uh, Giannis, then we have a series. But I think the one thing in terms of the secondary scoring, I'm a little bit more encouraged about this series as compared to Philadelphia in terms of offense. Just because I think Pascal can have an easier time in the series. Yes. Pascal had a really good regular season against the Bucks, And again, you don't want to look into too much of those numbers. But, I mean, Pascal averaged six, 25 points per game on 64% shooting. Yeah. I think, again, you know, you talk about maybe the, the way uh, Orlando defend, defending being similar to uh, Milwaukee and not much else. I think that plays into Pascal's strengths. Uh, and so... You know, you, you talk about them, you know, looking to pack the paint. Uh, the the room that he gets in the mid-range, he can use that as a runway, and I think he's done that over the course of the regular season. And, again, you you talk about going up against, you know, Jonathan Isaac in the first round. You look at all the guys he had to go up against in Philly uh, in the second round. I think that builds up to... A much easier time uh, in Milwaukee. If, if he gets any opportunities um, against Nikola Mirotic, he's got to cook Ooh. him every yeah. chance he gets. Yeah. And again, like uh, like we said, they they swapped out Sterling Brown for Mirotic in the starting lineup in that Boston series. If they continue with that lineup, and you know aren't uh, you know a hundred percent confident in Brogdon's health to be back in the starting lineup then that is certainly an, a matchup that Siakam has to attack, that Nick Nurse has to look to uh, and get the most out of. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think in terms of offensive production, it Siakam's production in this series is going to look a little bit closer to what it was against Orlando, where it was like 22 points a game, shooting 53%, right. as compared to what it was against Philadelphia, which is about 19 points, and like the big difference is like 44% shooting from the field. And this is something that, you know, it was asked of Pascal at practice today about, you know, what are going to be the differences between being guarded by Giannis versus guarding by Embiid and whether there's anything to translate there. They're two very different players. And and the main difference is that Embiid was able to absorb any sort of drive. Like, literally, Pascal would drive at Embiid, and it wouldn't move Embiid one bit, right? And Pascal, we know, like, so much of his effectiveness is contingent on him getting into the defender, feeling them, and, you know... um, be able to make a play off of that, either knocking a guy back a little bit and neutralizing him or spinning or whatever. But he needs that little bit of contact. And Embiid literally was just impervious to it. And Embiid is so much bigger. Like, there's a screen cap I posted of the two of them hugging after the, the series is over. Pascal looks like a child. He looks like a child <laughs> hugging his father. Like, you know, like, Embiid is like a full head plus tall right. on him, right? And so Giannis is bigger than... Um, you know, Siakam, and he's laterally quicker. But honestly, like, I think it'll be a little bit easier of a time. And as you mentioned, there are plenty of mismatches where, outside of Giannis, I mean, if it's Ursan Eliasova, oh, my God, he's going to go to work. He's going to go to yeah. work against him. He's going to go to work against Nikola Meritich, as you mentioned, those guards. Like, he's he's going to work all those guys. And I think if you have the threat of the secondary scoring with Pascal, that's going to make life a lot easier. Part of the reason why the offense was so bad against the, uh, and the Philadelphia was because Embiid was able to at least control and give Siakam second thoughts. You saw the effectiveness and the, the, the aggression sort of decline over the course of the series. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expect that to ramp back up. And it's really just up to Pascal to 
um, avoid foul trouble a little bit against uh, Giannis, which is not going to be easy, but yeah. avoid foul trouble so that he can be in the game to score because they're going to need that. Um, I think I, one thing that's important to note with Giannis, uh, with uh, Siakam, uh, with what I was alluding to earlier in terms of him being able to attack the paint against these guys is as opposed to having Embiid sort of tower over him and waiting for him, um, you know, when he's able to sort of use that shoulder, faint one way, go the other, um, and defenders are trying to keep up with him, that that actually makes it easier for him because if you look at the numbers for the regular season, no no player had more shots contested at the rim than Siakam, and he was still one of the league leaders in field goal percentage at the rim. Yeah. So he has no problem finishing, you know, with sort of like-sized guys. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe Embiid pre- presented too much of a size problem where that became a factor. But going up against like-sized a- athletes, yep. I think he likes his chances. And... um for him in this series, if he can go back to what he was doing against Orlando, I think that gives the Raptors a chance. I think that uh, his ability to get to the line again, mm-hmm. that's going to open some things up as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and again, I don't want to read too much into regular season matchups, but in 116 possessions against Giannis, regular season, um, Pascal 32 points on 11 of 17 shooting. Yep. You know, part of that is four or six from deep, but he even got a couple of free throws out of it. Like, there's some things that he can do. There's some things he can do. Um, one thing I'm a little bit curious about: Do you think the Bucks? Do you think Mike Budenholzer takes a look at um, the Sixer series and considers the idea of maybe we put Brooke Lopez on Pascal and kind of make him make Brooke do the same thing a little bit as Embiid. Obviously, he won't be as effective as Embiid because he's not as big and he's not as mobile. Although, I would argue Embiid in that series was not that mobile in the first place. But um, I think the advantage there is if you put Giannis on a guy like Gasol and if Gasol's not going to shoot, then all of a sudden you have a lot more latitude to use right. Giannis again and activate him as a help defender. And also, it's going to you know give Giannis a little bit more rest and sort of give him a little bit more reprieve from foul trouble. Could you see that being a matchup? And if that's the case, do you think Siakam can take Brook Lopez? Um, I think there is the possibility that Budenholzer gives it a look, but I, I do think that is something that would be a bit more favorable for Siakam. I don't think um, Brook Lopez is anywhere near as impactful a defender as Embiid. Uh, I respect his shot blocking, but I do think. That is something that Siakam will be okay with. Again, we have to see, you know, if if this whole theory of just throwing, uh, you know, big men at him is something that works, or is it something that works because Embiid is such a great defensive player? So, yeah, I I, I tend to lean towards the latter that it is the fact that it's Embiid who's so good defensively, and so I'd be quite happy for them to try Brook Lopez uh, on him. Um, because then that leaves Miritich on Gasol. Uh, or well, it might be a leave Giannis on Gasol. That's yeah, the thing. I, might, I think they I might mean, just yeah, try to play It might be Giannis. Uh, but, yeah, I think that opens up other aspects of the floor because, uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think Siakam can attack him which way or the other. Um, I think the one thing that's important is to get him that space up top. I think a lot of times Siakam was getting the ball baseline. Yeah. And uh, Embiid was just able to sh- sort of cut out uh, 
the drive closer to the basket and force him to his left and that way you can sort of control where he's going but what if he's at if he's at the top of the circle then it gives him a bit more leeway not only to go whichever way he prefers mm-hmm. but also to find shooters yeah I agree, but at the same time, I also think that Pascal is more effective on the on the, on the baseline, like in the corners, obviously. Right. But, um, even against like, if he's going to post up, I'd rather him post up in the corner along, um, you know, along the baseline. He's right. just better from there. The spin move is, is a little bit easier for him. Like the cl- it's closer to the bank shot. Like there's, I just think there's there's things Pascal can do. I'm not too worried about Pascal's offense. I mean, I agree. Even if they put Lopez on him, I'm pretty confident that Pascal can can get his offense. One guy I'm not confident can get his offense is Kyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already mentioned his numbers are in the series, like at six points a game. You want know, scoreless on one game? I think this might be a series where Kyle averages more assists than points. The, yeah, I could definitely see that happening. And I'm talking like it might be like a eight and nine situation. And I, I think if that's the case, uh, again, I already talked about the bigs having to score. I, I think a lot is going to be on Kyle to sort of find the bigs in space, and it's it's. You know, I think Serge is gonna have a big role to play in the series. By the way, Serge averaged twenty two points a game in the series. It's it's just still it's still so inconceivable to me. Yeah, he had a thirty point night. He had a thirty point night too. Yeah. And that was the night he shot like twenty five times. And he took a bunch of threes. I mean, he basically was like, I'll try being Brooke Lopez one time. But um I just don't think they're gonna get a lot out of the point guard position because again, like I mentioned, you know, Bledsoe is gonna be a, a tough defensive um, assignment I, where I do think Kyle might be more useful is defensively, like a stepping in for those charges against Giannis. I think if anyone else, if you're going to step in for a charge against Giannis, you have to be a smaller guy that has a reputation and you have to time it perfectly. And the only guy I can really see doing that is Kyle. Yeah. Um, and I can also see Kyle actually spending a lot of possessions on Chris Middleton. And the reason I say that is because I think, to be honest, even though Middleton is six eight and has uh, a size advantage. Um, I think it's actually much more difficult for Kyle to guard a guy like Bledsoe, who's such an off-the-bounce attacker, yeah. or even um, Brogdon, who's also really good at catching and going straight line to the rim. He literally – his finishing around the basket this season was incredible. That's why he was a 50-40-90 guy. Um, you know, I think Kyle, in terms of getting guys driving by him and stuff, like all I remember is like – remember Bledsoe had 40 points, his career-high 40 points uh, with the Phoenix Suns yeah. against Kyle Larry. And he's had a lot of explosive performances against Lowry over the past. And so I'm just not confident in that matchup. And I might actually want to see Kyle on Middleton instead. And and Kyle's been really good at guarding the pick and roll. He's been really good at getting under guys. And, you know, if he can sort of take a couple of shifts on Middleton the same way he did against Tobias Harris, I think that might actually be the better uh, way to use him. But then again, of course, there's a trade-off. Like, if you put on Middleton, then he's not helping as much. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you do. It's not great. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anything is great at this stage, right? Um, at the end of the day, guys are just going to have to outplay each other. Both teams are going to scout each other. Both teams are going to know everything they want to do. And so it just comes down to what those matchups are. For example, if they put Kyle Lowry on Chris Middleton, Middleton finished the season as the second most efficient isolation scorer behind James Arden. So um, I think that's that's an area that, they can attack if if it comes down to it. Um, Middleton's going to be able to shoot over him every time. Kyle is going to is going to make him work to get to his spot. Mm-hmm. Yep. But um, that's all he can really do in those situations. And for Kyle, it, it it might not be about how many points he scores, but just how many. One hundred percent will not be about how many points he scores because it's going to be less than ten. <laughs> <laughs> but no, honestly though. When 
he makes his threes will be a big deal. When he gets those certain looks, you know, when when Kawhi and Siakam are on the ball and the ball swings to him, and if he's not shot ready, and honestly, I think he's done a better job of that as the Philly series has gone on, um, but he needs to hit them. Yeah, he's at he's at twenty eight percent for this postseason from three, eighteen for sixty four. So, yeah, for Kyle Lowry to impact this series on the offensive end, he's he's got to be a forty percent shooter. From yeah. deep. Which, uh, I mean, would you bet money on that? Nope. Yeah, me neither. Um, yeah, it's going to become defensive. I think, um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, the, the whole Middleton thing, like, they could go one of two ways. Like, they could either put, like, they could either try to shut him down and try to force the Bucks to get their offense elsewhere. But, like, the weird thing about Middleton is that even though he is the second option, he doesn't distinguish himself as a second option. Like, you know what I mean? He's capable of scoring. Yep. And he scores in bunches. He shoots in bunches. Uh, he shot 47% from deep against the Celtics, and he took like eight attempts per game, which is just insane. Um, but that's what he's capable of. And so, But it, it's, it's weird. He doesn't actually spend that much time with the ball in his hands. So I think, honestly, if you put Kyle on, on Middleton and you can kind of coax him and make them attack through him, like I think, I don't know, maybe it takes the Bucks out of their offense a little bit. I'm just, again, there's no one solution here. Um. The one thing that really gives me a lot of stress in this series, so I think like the starters are going to do well. The like, Raptors starters did really well against the Sixers starters, and the Sixers pretty much have one of the best starting fives in the NBA. And the Raptors kind of played them to an even, a slight stance, a slight uh, positive. But yeah, um, the Bucks, their starting lineup is good. Uh, I'm not even sure who's going to be in it. Like you mentioned, like Brogdon might be there as he was all season, or he might still be suffering from that plantar fascia injury. Um, although he's, he came back in game five against the Celtics and he played a bit of garbage time to sort of ease in. And it's been a week plus, so I think he might come back in a lot. I'm not sure if they don't. You know, they could start Sterling Brown. They could start Miritich. We don't really know. But um, I think for the most part, the Raptors starters are going to play pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they should have no not that much issue. It's really, again, comes down to the bench. And Milwaukee, very similar to how Philadelphia staggered their lineups, they love to put Giannis going up against second unit guys, and if Nick Nurse cannot have more than two bench guys on the floor at once, no, absolutely not. Like no, no time ever. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. If 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 Fred, Norm, and Serge are out on the court together, it's probably. <laughs> I'm stressed, man. I'm stressed. <laughs> I'm preemptively angry at this. No, 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 no. It, it's going to be a great series, man. Um, I think. I think expectations of Nurse. Uh, I I I think he's met expectations. I expect yeah. him to continue to live up to it. Um, I think, like the rest of his team, I expect him to rise to the occasion. Uh, I think this is going to be a great series. Um, and as far as matchups are concerned, as far as uh, calling key timeouts, as far as rotations, I think I think that that. Philly series again can prepare him for what Budenholzer will will do with Giannis and going going at the Raptors second units and so uh, you know we saw game seven the way he matched those minutes uh, and you know hopefully that's something he's prepared now to do in this series yeah for sure Um, do you think they need to match Giannis's minutes um, with Siakam in the same way that Embiid had to always be guarded by Gasol. 
Do you rip up your rotation? I think, to be honest... See, I mean, the the answer to that would have definitely been uh, yes. Uh, Sorry, the answer to that would have definitely been no if OG was healthy. I think that's where it hurts. Um, Because I think OG is a guy that you can put on and pick up some fouls and use that. But And, you know... Part of why you were able to do what you did with Gasol is because you can trust Ibaka uh, to shore up those other minutes. But now, you know, you take out Siakam, you're really leaning on whoever else it may be to sustain, right? Mm -hmm. And so that means leaving Kawhi out there longer. It means leaving Kyle out there longer. Maybe it means leaving Gasol out there a bit longer. Um, So the first game as we all know, is going to be that feel-out game. Uh, understand what the rotations are going to look like, uh, what Milwaukee is going to look to try and do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we when we know Giannis is coming in, you know, sure, I think the first game, you definitely look to match yeah. and minimize the damage, especially on the Bucks' home floor. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because I do think the Raptors have a chance to steal this one. You know, you look at the rest versus rust uh, adage, uh, you know, are they com- coming in fresh? Or are they coming in a little weak uh, and, you know, needing a little time to get into a flow of things? And if they are looking to get into a flow of things, the last thing you want is for Giannis to find it going up against the second unit, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think the story is going to be the same for this series as it is all season. Like, the starters have to win the starting battle by a lot. Have to. And the bench is just going to have to minimize the damage. Of yep. what they're conceding because you look at the Bucks. I mean, one of the luxuries they have because of the system they play, like everyone's just in the same spots, everyone's sort of making the same decisions. It doesn't really matter who they're putting in there um, half the time, and so there's so much interchangeability. And they have guys that come off the bench and contribute. It's a novel concept. By the Raptors way, by, by the way, Raptors fans, um, it's the Bucks. The Bucks actually call uh, their bench the bench mob now. They're so corny. I. I I very much despise Bucks fans. I wish Giannis was out in, in a couple of years when Masai, uh, you know, takes Giannis through uh, Mama Land by Lansdowne Station. Maybe they, maybe it'll change. But um, anyway, um, <laughs> you know, or the Danforth, actually. You can explore both sides of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, you, you look at the Bucks bench, right? They got George Hill. I don't even have to tell you, Raptors fans, what George Hill has done to the Raptors over the last couple of years. Nope. This is the th- somehow George Hill ends ends up finessing bad teams for money and then coming back to playoff teams especially in the Eastern Conference and playing against the Raptors. This would be the third time in 3 in 4 years that the Raptors have to play against George Hill. And I, I dislike it. 2016, George Hill did a number on Kyle Lowry in the first round defensively. Yep. 2018, George Hill uh did a I wouldn't say it did a number but it was very effective. Uh, with the Cavaliers, and uh, we're going to see him again this year with the Bucks. It, it's just annoying to see him over and over and over again. He is uniquely equipped to beat the Raptors. But even past George Hill, you got guys like, you know, Miritich might come off the bench. He's going to be annoying. Ursula Nisova is, um, you know, Lowry-esque with his flopping on charges. He's going to be annoying. It's just, it's not, none of it's going to be that easy f- for them. And even a guy like Pat Connaughton, like, we're going to be so mad that we pay Norman Powell 10 times the salary as, as Pat Connaughton. Meanwhile, Pat is a better player. And it's it's just going to be one of those things where it's going to be tough. Um, I think in terms of the swing guys in the series, I think 
uh, Norm is always a swing guy, potentially. He obviously had a big impact in 2017. I don't think it'll be the same this year because the Bucks are an entirely different team in terms of how they play. But I just think that Norm, um, with his versatility, the Raptors need wings in this series. I don't think they can play as many uh, bigs together as they did. Well, maybe they can. Who knows? But um, it's going to be a little bit tough if they don't get more wing play. They definitely can't go to that Pascal center lineup, which I know Bucks fans are already anticipating. That was That worked really well against them. In the regular season, um, who do you see as that one guy that might be the X factor? I'm actually going to go with Serge Ibaka again. I think the effect that he had in the Philadelphia series, I think the confidence that he's writing, we've we've seen that he's kind of this momentum player, and he gets on good streaks in terms of you know double doubles, scoring, whatever it may be. He gets on bad streaks, and hopefully that last game seven got him going again. Um, obviously, Milwaukee is a team that he seems to feel good against. You mentioned the 22 points a game. And so if he can produce anywhere near that coming off the bench, I think that'll be a huge factor for the Raptors. Yeah, no, they're going to need a scoring for sure. To wrap up the pod, um, give me your series preview. Mm, I think the Raptors steal game one. Okay, that'd be great. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I think the Bucks come back strong. And eventually, this series gets pushed to seven games. Okay. And? But the Bucks win on their home floor. My brain is telling me Bucks in six. My heart is telling me Raps in seven. Wow. But, yeah, Bucks in six. You know, as the meme goes. Um, I think the Bucks are just a better team, period. They're deeper. Um, got more options. They're healthier. And quite honestly, they execute better. I think I think this is a series where you maybe get exposed for the lack of time that the Raptors have had together. Yeah, and I think it the, the Raptors stylistically. Um, I mean, it's it, it needs to be said for all playoff series, but especially this one. What you've done against other opponents doesn't translate to this, and I don't think the Raptors have played a team like Milwaukee so far in the playoffs uh, and ever in their playoffs. Even though they played literally Milwaukee. Two years ago, completely different team, completely different setup. I mean, you know, I just think the Raptors are going to. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. They're just going to lose to the better team, and it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, you could, you could do that as long as you don't embarrass yourself in the process. I'm, I'm kind of happy with it. Um, but, I mean, again, I, I could also see the Raptors pulling this off. Like, they would need a couple things to go their way. 
they would really need to be able to do something against Giannis, which I don't think any team has done so far. And you know, it is what it is. But if they lose to the Bucks, there's no shame in it, man. There's no shame in it. It'll be mad annoying on Twitter because the Bucks fans. I'm telling you right now, the same fans that were chanting USA, USA against a team full of Americans in 2017, those same little MAGA fans are going to be out there on Twitter and they're going to be in your mentions. I'm serious. I'm serious. Look up Wisconsin and the representatives. But um, don't get swept. Just just don't get swept. Don't get embarrassed. And, um, you know, try to enjoy yourselves. But we really went from LeBron and shooters to Giannis and shooters. <laughs> I mean, Giannis' shooters might be more dangerous. I'm, I'm serious. It's, it's on that level for me. So, um, That does it for the podcast. Like, I hope I hope, uh, I hope, the Raptors win. But, you know, I, they're, they're clearly underdogs in this series. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, again, we're all open for the Raptors, man. The, the, the longer they go, the longer we get to do this. So, Yo, I'm trying to go to the finals. I'm, I'm just going to say right here. I'm trying to go to the finals. And I'm trying to see no game seven because um, – I don't think I'll be able to handle the stress of that uh, again, but, you know, I mean, there'll be good weather in San Francisco, right? A game seven to get to the NBA finals? The city will... <laughs> I worry for the city. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, Kawhi already had that big moment, so, you know, maybe he has another one. Who knows? Uh, thanks for listening. And so, yeah, I mean, you can expect the same uh, podcast coverage. Uh, I'll be on the road in games one and two in Milwaukee, so... Look for the post game podcast, and also, I mean, I'm just going to try to ramp up the more podcasts in general. So, yeah, you know, even during the off days and stuff, I'm going to try to grab people for shows. So, check back as always on Raptors over everything, and for Vivek and myself, we're signing out. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.